You're listening to Harvard Chan This Week in Health. I'm David Levin. One of the things that's exciting to me is the potential to reduce maternal mortality in areas of the world which are greatly suffering. That's Shruti Mahalingaya, a physician scientist at the Harvard Chan School. She's one of the researchers behind the new Apple Women's Health Study, which uses an iPhone app to collect long-term health data from thousands of women worldwide. Its goal? To understand women's menstrual cycles and their relationship to conditions like infertility and menopause. It might even be used to flag reproductive health issues early so women can seek treatment before major problems emerge. It's the first ever women's health research study of this scale, and it's being done in partnership with both Apple and the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences. In this episode, we talked with Dr. Mahalangaya and Dr. J.P. O'Nilla. He's a biostatistician at Harvard Chan School who co-designed the study, and he's overseeing the huge amount of data it'll create. So, Shruti, a question for you. I'm hoping maybe you can give me some context for this study. Uh, why is a large-scale study of menstruation needed now, and, and what gap does that fill in, in the medical and scientific knowledge that we have? The one main question um, anchoring all of this is when a woman comes into the clinic, we often ask, when was your last period? Or can you explain um, how have your periods been? You know, the early 2000s before tracking apps and um, before Apple created the iPhone, people would come back to me. They couldn't articulate their cycle history, and they'd fill out a cycle calendar for three to six months so I could get a sense of regularity. Um, we thought getting a baseline is good, but having a sense of menstrual cycles over the past and collecting them prospectively would be even better. So we started partnering with tracking apps. And um, I do think that there is a great need to understand uh, menstrual cycle variation across, not only in the numerical context of the number of days between cycles, but also how women experience their cycles so that we could better serve them and um, both emotionally, physically understand how to diagnose conditions earlier. Oftentimes, several gynecologic um, diseases take years to come to a diagnosis. It might take up to seven years to come to a diagnosis of endometriosis, for example. So what uh, data are you actually collecting? JP? So in this particular study, surveys are the form of active data that we're using. We've implemented, uh, really truly has been leading this effort, um, sort of standardized uh, surveys and questionnaires about women's health. The other data component, uh, we use the term passive data. And for us, the term passive really means that it's collected regardless of your participation in the study. So it's an un unobtrusive way of collecting data. The data collection is kind of happening there in the background. We can collect data about uh, your location, about your social activity, about your physical activity using accelerometer and gyroscope data. And, and I think that the one thing that comes to everyone's mind immediately is, well, isn't this kind of intrusive data collection? And, and I think that, yes, absolutely it is. But everybody in our studies gives their full consent to, uh, to, to have these data collected. So in all of these types of studies, there has to be a study app that's installed on the phone. A person has to be invited to participate in the study. And provided they meet all the inclusion criteria, then they may, may enroll in this study. 
So how does this look from a, a user perspective? Someone downloads this research app, and then what? They'll see a survey they have to do every once in a while, and the, the rest of the data is collected kind of in the background from the rest of the phone? Essentially, yes. So we have monthly-ish yes. surveys, larger surveys. and, and uh... There are surveys on different uh, temporal schedules for how long they are, but um, a baseline at entry and then monthly surveys um, if you are currently menstruating, um, also if you're breastfeeding. So depending on your state of being will determine the chronicity of some of the surveys. So what exactly can capturing this kind of information tell you about uh, women's health? One of the unique aspects of this study is um, the phone or the watch is collecting information to be able to um, risk stratify someone into at risk or um, healthy for a particular issue. I think that this has a huge potential to transform um, how we um, roll out preventive uh, measures uh, to keep our populations as healthy as possible. Could we see behavior patterns shift and change across the men menstrual cycle? Um, could we detect something that might alert us to women who are at risk for PMS or premenstrual dysphoric disorder and alleviate their symptoms so that they're not suffering at home? A lot of these issues, it's very hard for women to have um, awareness and be taken seriously in certain contexts um, and get the help they need. If someone is experiencing severe pain during their period or between periods due to something called endometriosis, presumably their social network might be collapsed compared to others, or their um, geographic location might be um, altered compared to healthy, normal women with robust um, experiences of uh, no pain. In addition, one of the amazing things with this technology and sometimes with app-based technology is um, we can understand better a person's environmental exposures based on their geolocation, so proximity to major roadways or mm. factories right. or um, industrial wastelands or Superfund sites. And um, this is a key area of research as uh, we grow to understand how environmental toxicants can actually reduce fertility and um, increase risk for infertility. So it sounds like that's going to be incredibly useful for public health research in the future. But what about you know, if you have a, someone with the app and you have a certain health condition that comes up or something that's flagged in, in that, those data points, what could change for that person as a result of this app? So that's a really interesting question and something I've been thinking about. Um, to be able to look back at six months of menstrual cycle data and apply um, an interactive survey um, let's say a person's entering their menstrual cycle data and the last six months are um, reviewed and there's increased cycle variation or irregularity noted. Um, they might get a survey that's interactive and um, ask them about their symptoms. Are they having galacteria or milky discharge from their breasts? Are they having... Um, insomnia? Are they exercise? Have they had a change in their exercise? Um, have they had a recent change in weight? Are they experiencing more acne or hair on their face or body than usual? There's so many other questions that can be incorporated to understand uh, where that pathology could be coming from. 
So one can imagine entering this information and getting a um, risk score for potential ovulation disorder, endocrine disorder, um, uterine pathology, such as a polyp or fibroid, fibroid potentially, and um, getting a printable report they could take to their physician or that might download immediately into an electronic health record so their physician can see it and come to um, the next steps for um, disease detection. So not necessarily a, a diagnosis, but uh, at least a flag saying you should probably see a doctor. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and for women listening, why should they participate? What would you say to them? There are a couple reasons. One is to altruistic, to contribute their voice to um, understanding their experience as it pertains to being a woman, menstrual cycle, pregnancy, childbirth, and longitudinal health, including the menopausal transition that we really don't have enough understanding of as it impacts our lives um, through being mothers or working or not being mothers and, and being child free, um, to have everyone's voice represented would be very important on the discovery side. Um, I think that each group of the collaboration from Apple to the um, National Institute of Environmental Health Science, um, we each have different things that we want to discover and contribute from this data. Um, and I can speak from us um, here at Harvard Chan the potential to be able to design preventive um, uh, preventive materials, methods, um, interface to um, keep women healthy for as long as possible across our lives would be I, my take-home point from this. JP? This is perhaps um, an obvious point to, to some listeners, but... But I think it's important to stress that the reason we know how to treat any medical condition today is because people have done research into that condition in the past. Other individuals have participated in studies so that we can now treat several conditions so much better than 50 years or, you know, let alone 100 years ago. From my point of view, this is an opportunity for individuals to participate. What, what could really become the largest study on, on women's health in a way that uh, it doesn't matter if you're located in a rural, um, if you're in a small village or a small town, you don't have to be located at one of these major medical hubs, uh, maybe like Boston or New York City or LA. You can participate anywhere. All you just need is is, is the phone. And uh, I think that's, that's exciting to be part of this discovery. We couldn't do research without subjects. So, right. so, and I, I think that from my point of view, the accessibility of the study and the fact that anywhere in the U.S. you can participate, you can contribute valuable data to a study that could really change um, the way many of these conditions are treated in the future. That seems incredibly important to me. So what does it mean for Harvard Chan to join forces with uh, an industry partner like Apple, who's you know, kind of a tech behemoth? And what, what research does that enable that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise? So Apple is, of course, they, they're the developers of the iPhone, and, and they have a sizable market share mm -hmm. um, uh, in the U.S. and also globally. And one thing about this type of research, which is, I think, not always understood is that 
it's not just a question of developing the initial version of the research app. It's a question of maintaining that, having a backend that goes with the data collection that supports the front end. And, and I don't think there is a better partner than Apple to work with in terms of making sure that the user has a seamless experience, which matters for, for study adherence, and also making sure that we don't have any glitches in, in the app. Working with Apple has been great in this regard. Um, they have a very, very high standard for, for privacy, and privacy has been a concern uh, throughout the design process. And, and also the back end, they have um, substantial expertise in making sure that there's a very smooth integration between the front end app and the back end piece. So working with Apple has been a, a very good experience uh, for us. And also Apple is a brand that I think most people uh, trust. And, uh, and so they've been a very good partner for us. I think what it means is that we can hear voices from women of many geographic backgrounds and um, experiential backgrounds that would never have been able to be, you know, included in studies before. So to me, it's an access, um, it's increasing access to diversity in women's health research. I think it's critically important. And this is what makes me super excited about participating in this study. Um, as a collaborator um, and a participant and um, historically, being included in a study means that a person has um, a lot of factors that are working in their favor to participate. So either they um, have resources to be able to go to the um, clinic and um, spend time. Um, they, they're they not required to be in their wage-related job to um, they can bring their child in so that both the mother and the child can participate in the study. It's it's a small fraction of the population that has this kind of time and resiliency. And so I think that we're going to be able to um, hear from and understand the experiences of a, of a much larger population. And that's what I think the implication of this kind of partnership is with um, Apple bringing in the research expertise of, of everyone on our team from the research side and the product development side at Apple um, is very exciting. Getting the word out to women or anyone who's menstruated once in their life is really the key and that's um, what we're going to be working on and it's a very exciting area to get, get the word out. Excellent. Well, I, I thank you both for joining me. Uh, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. To participate in the Apple Women's Health Study, visit www.hsph.harvard.edu slash Apple Women's Health Study. That's all one word. And click on Download the Research app. You can also use the App Store on your iPhone. Just search for the words Apple Research. If you're a fan of This Week in Health, take our new listener survey. We're gearing up for some big changes to the podcast, and we want to hear from you. To take the survey, visit us online at hsph.me slash podcast survey.